we're going to be looking at the Songs of Ascent. Now, for those of you who might not know what the Songs of Ascent are, there are 15 psalms that are placed in psalms, and they are songs that pilgrims used to sing as they were approaching Jerusalem. Now, several times in the year, they would have festivals, and these festivals were meant for people to come and to remember what God was doing, what God has done for the people in the past. And so these, these pilgrims, people that did not live in Jerusalem, they would come back to Mount Zion or Jerusalem. They would come back for these festivals, and as they were traveling, they would sing these songs. And these songs were, were supposed to get them prepared for the time in which they're setting aside a certain chunk of time where they are saying, we're going to turn our eyes to the Lord. And a lot of these psalms have sayings like, Turn your eyes to God. Look up to Him. And it actually worked topographically as well because at the, the terrain around Jerusalem is, is mountainous and it's hilly. And so there are these pilgrims that would be climbing these hills and they would be turning their eyes up to the temple and they'd be looking to where they were going. And it was symbolic as well because they were turning their eyes to God. It's all about them remembering what God had done in their past, remembering how faithful He had been. And it's, it's something that they would do yearly or several times a year. Now, today, we Christians, we don't really make pilgrimages. And those that hike up hills, they are usually doing it for entertainment or for exercise and not for travel. So how do we relate to these psalms today? We're going to look at that. Now, these, these 15 psalms, they all call us to remember who God is. They call us to recognize where our help and our hope come from, and they recount the times that God has made them victorious and the enormous change that occurs in each one of our lives when we simply turn our eyes to Him and we look at Him. It talks of blessings and protection that the Lord had given Israel over the course of their history. And so, but really, what, what does this have to do with us today? I mean, these, these were written 3,000 years ago, um, and they're being sung about experiences and problems that they had that we've probably never experienced, or maybe we have. Um, today, we're going to look at a Psalm of David, which has been titled, Our Help is in the Name of the Lord, and that's in Psalm 124. Now, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 124. If not, we'll have um, the verses up on the screen, and you might also be able to find some of the Bibles uh, on the side aisles as well. So, we're reading Psalm 124, a song of ascents of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. God, I... In reading this psalm, I'm immediately just, I'm thinking about people who are overwhelmed. 
for people who are in situations where they feel outnumbered, where they feel tired, and where they feel like they cannot continue on anymore, God. I'm, I'm also thinking of those that do not know you as the rescuer, for those that, that have never put their trust in you and have never actually seen you work on their behalf. And Lord, I'm also thinking about those that have been through difficult times. And Lord, I pray that you would just, through this, this reflection on your word, that they would have courage to share their testimonies with others so that they could help others turn their eyes onto you and know where their help comes from. I just pray that you would help us to understand this text, that you would give us your Holy Spirit to guide us so that this this changes and influences who we are today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, this brief psalm here, it takes us through Israel's long history, or it gives a little snapshot of it because Israel had passed through so many different enemies. I mean, if, if we were to look at, at some of the, the bigger ones, the Egyptians, the Amalekites, the Edomites, the Canaanites, the Philistines, I was reading that one author said that over the biblical span of history, the Israelites had 17 enemies or 17 armies that rose up against them. And David is recalling the times that Israel had been in trouble. And there were actually a lot of times. So let's look at verses 3 through 5 again. Now, these people, they were in trouble and they were overwhelmed. It says this, Then they would have swallowed us up alive, when their anger was kindled against us. The flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. And here it's just talking about times where maybe David was ambushed by armies or engulfed by their massive numbers. They had felt the wrath and the hatred of the violence like a flash flood overwhelms a dried riverbed. It just completely was overwhelming them. There was no way that the Israelites could fight under their own strength. And I can imagine just a scene of of despair and of fear. And that's what David is talking about here. Now, I I actually wanted to to look at the definition of despair. and, And it says, I looked it up and it said that the feeling, it's the feeling that there's no hope and that you can do nothing to improve a difficult or worrying situation. And that really, it sounds like a horrible feeling, a hopeless feeling, a bottomless pit, and, and, and it really is. There is no way that Israel could contend with such adversaries. I mean, think of even just the Egyptians and the amazing strength and power that they had, and to think that this small slave country of, of people could actually overcome that. And I remember the spies, you, you know, there are 10 spies that went into the promised land that they sent out and, and ten of, there, there were 10 of them that actually came back and said that the promised land had giants and that they compared themselves to the giants and they looked like grasshoppers. I mean, bugs that could be stomped on and they were, they were totally hopeless and that's why they didn't want to go into the promised land. And all of that would have been true if they were alone. But David is wanting those hearing the song to make sure they understand, to make sure they get it, that without God, 
they were totally helpless, but with him they were not. And so he repeats this twice. In the first part of the psalm, it says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Now let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. It was the Lord. (laughs) It was not the cunning military strategies that David had, and it wasn't their good luck. It wasn't the failures of the other armies either. It was only the Lord. It was only him. They were overwhelmed by their enemies, but the Lord was on their side. So what would have happened if the Lord was not on their side? <laughs> you know, David, he was, he was used to facing bigger enemies, enemies that were bigger than himself. If you could recall the story of, of David, he, he had been against a lion, a bear, a giant warrior, a deranged king, his own son that incited a rebellion against him. And you know what we find with the life of David? That identifying yourself as overwhelmed against your enemy is not a sign of weakness if you know that you're not alone. David knew that the correct response to feeling overwhelmed was to turn his eyes to God, to remember what God had done for him, and to know that God is in control. You might be familiar with the story of David and Goliath. I just want to read a a small portion of that. That's found in 1 Samuel 17. It's going to be behind me. Now, this is where David is talking about his offer to the king of Israel. The king, and, and he's offering to go and fight the giant that had defied the Lord's army. So, let's see what it says. In verse 32, it says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, this is important, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. You know what's awesome about this is that David, he, he knew that it wasn't his skill and it wasn't his strength, because think about it, a, a young man fighting a lion and fighting a bear, he knew that God was with him. It was the Lord. The Lord delivered him. So it didn't matter the enemy that was standing in front of David because he was confident in the Lord and not in his own strength. And you know the story. Now, David stepped up, and, and he, he, he picked up a few stones, and he, he walked up to the giant, and he slung the stone, and it sunk into the giant's forehead. And I think about that story, and, and I, I think about just if, if we could personify the rock for a minute, 
and think of the rock and, and if, if the rock had friends and if the rock had a voice, he might go back to his friends and start talking about just how he was the giant killer because he is the one that delivered the blow that took down the giant. And that would be ridiculous because it wasn't the rock that did it. It was, it was David who slung the stone. And it wasn't David that did it. It was the Lord who gave him the strength. It was the Lord who, who gave him the ability, who gave him the courage, and who gave him the faith to step up and face the giant. So how are we supposed to face despair? Well, we face it by knowing that God is with us and he is able to use us for his purposes. When we read this psalm, we're encountered with stories how God delivered his people. And maybe, maybe you wonder why in the first place God needs to deliver these people? Why are these people even in trouble? If they're God's people, shouldn't he have protected them? Why do they need to suffer? Why, why should they have to even be in trouble? Maybe you're saying, why should believers need to be rescued from the teeth of wild beasts? Why not prevent the wild beasts from laying hold of them? Or why do they need to be delivered from the snare of the fowler? Why not just prevent the snare from being set? Why do they need to be snatched from the swiftly rushing torrent, which is just about to overwhelm them? Why not keep back the floods of waters and bid their proud waves be still? You know, and, and I don't think you're a bad person if you don't want to suffer because nobody wants to suffer. And for Christians, we all share this one hope eagerly that's found in, in Revelations 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the former things have passed away. And it's normal to want that now. <laughs> it's normal for us to, to shy away from suffering and, and, and not put ourselves in situations where we know that we're going to suffer. We want out of situations like that. But the fact is that on this side of eternity, there is suffering and there is pain and there is trouble. But, but, but what we can do is that we can decide if we allow God to work through it or not. <laughs> but that comes down to knowing, can you trust him? Can you trust him to work in your pain? Can you trust him to work through that situation where you feel just absolutely overwhelmed and unable to process what's going on? David goes on in the psalm to share how they have been rescued, and I want to read verse 6. It says this, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is such an, an incredible testimony of protection, of deliverance, and of help and hope. And the fact is that God really has kept us from harm. We've, we have escaped like a bird from the hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. And that verse from David meant a lot to him because he could see how God had rescued him personally from so many snares, from so many situations where he needed desperately a rescuer. But how much more applicable is that for us today on this side of the cross? <laughs> 
to know that Jesus has given his life for us. He has taken our penalty and he has given us freedom. Regardless of the sorrows that we have in this life, if you have come to know and to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, we all have a hope, an eternal hope that does not get stripped away. It does not get taken from us like possessions or positions or people we love. The fact is, is that, you know, each one of us has been ensnared and, and we all have needed a rescuer in our life. Not one of us starts free and then gets trapped. We're, we've all been trapped from the very beginning because sin runs rampant in this world and in our hearts. And this rescuer, who is not only able to release us from that snare, he was able to break it. Death no longer ensnares us when we have a rescuer. Our help is in the name of the Lord. He made heaven and earth, and our help is not in our own strength and ability. And, and really, that, that should give you a sense of freedom because if you believe that God is who he says he is, if you believe that God is the creator of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, I mean, when we walk outside and we see just the amazing intricacies of nature and, and we see the stars that are uncountable at night and we see the power of the ocean whenever a storm rolls in and we've traveled to other places and seen mountains and just these amazing landscapes. I hope that calls you to recognize the power of God. I hope that calls you to, to, to increase your faith just in how powerful he is. Trusting that he is able to handle whatever situation you're in and that you cling to him in times of need and that you just turn your eyes to him. And still, I, I know that there are people here that you, you're probably wondering, how are we so sure that God is for us? I mean, maybe he's been there for you, but I feel let down. I haven't experienced God in that way. I've been disappointed. I felt like my prayers were not answered. And you know what? Psalm 124 does not argue for God's help. It doesn't explain God's help. It just simply testifies of God's work. It sings of a confidence that our help is in the name of the Lord because the writers and the singers had known what it was like to be overwhelmed. And they had seen their God come through. They knew that they were unable to face their enemies alone, yet they still prevailed because God was on their side. And we can share in that same song, church. When we are overwhelmed with despair, we need to turn our eyes to the Lord. We turn our eyes to the Lord because He is in control. But do we really believe that? You know, it is quite easy to let our circumstances overcome us and to let fear flood into your life and have that despair kind of creep in as well. And just this last Sunday night, I had to remind myself of all the times that God has shown that he was in control. All the times that he responded to our prayers and, and protected us. And, you know, 
we had a little scare last Sunday night with, with my son. He, um, he went to bed happy, and he woke up at 12 o'clock with just this, this horrible cough. And if, if any parent knows what croup is, it was, it's, it's never something that you want to hear. It's when your airway actually contracts, and the, it's very difficult for air to pass. And so as my son was just coughing and coughing and unable to really breathe correctly, we didn't know what to do. I mean, it, it, ha- it is not the first time it's happened, but we tried, you know, the, the home remedies of getting him into the bathroom and turning on the shower and trying to get moisture into his lungs, but it wasn't helping. We were scared. We, we phoned 911, and, and they, they came quite fast. And, and they looked at him, and they heard him, and they said, no, we, we really need to get him to the hospital. So... He got in the ambulance with my wife, and this was, it was past midnight by now, and so I just, I woke up my, my daughter who was asleep and told her we needed to go because her brother was, he wasn't feeling too well. So as I get in the car, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not, <laughs> not get too upset. I'm trying to control, you know, my own emotions. But it, honestly, I was, I was scared. And for any parent who has their child, you know, gasping for air, it it is a scary situation. But as I was driving, and as we were following the ambulance, and I was watching the flashing lights, and I had this, this, these weird, like, memories come back to me. And there were just all these... What would seem to be bad memories, but there was there were times that my daughter had similarly had to be hospitalized for for bronchitis that had developed into something a little worse, and having IVs put in her and spending the night in the hospital. And I thought of also the times in which before even that, when my wife, when she was pregnant, she had to be on bed rest, and and God preserved the life of my daughter. And I thought of times, you know, where as missionaries in Peru, we, we didn't know exactly how much we were going to have. We were out of food and we were out of money. <laughs> and just uh, this person came and gave us baskets of fruit one day when we had nothing. And, you know, as I was sitting there in the car and I was just praying, God, I remember how you've been there in the past for my kids, and I remember how you've been in there in the past for us. And I know you've been so faithful to us and everything and just the way that you provided for us and the way that you've healed us and in the way that you even brought us here to Cayman. It's just I've seen your hand over us. And so this is really scary, but I'm going to trust you because I know you are good and I know you are in control and I know that you take care of us. And I realized in that moment that it was crazy that all those moments that I had been so fearful and that I felt that I had known what despair was and I had known what fear really was that those were moments that were giving me strength. 
They were giving me courage and they were giving me hope. And it made me realize that our current troubles can actually be the fuel for the faith that we need in the future. That when we pass through difficult times and whenever we, we wonder, God, what are you doing? <laughs> I really wish you'd show up. I really wish I wasn't in this situation. That that was actually giving me strength for today. And that's what I needed. <laughs> and you know, I'm well aware that there are people here that have faced far more in just incredible pain and, and saying goodbye to loved ones and that those experiences might have asked you, you know, left you asking, you know, God, what is this all about? Why have you allowed this to happen? And I do not discount your pain or ask you to pretend that it didn't happen. But all I can do is share my testimony my testimony of God's faithfulness and his goodness and realize that I would have no personal evidence of this if my life would have been devoid of suffering. And my encouragement to others is fueled by a faith in a God that rescues because he rescued me. And you know, God's help is not a private experience. God's help is a testimony of his great strength and of his great love, and it's not to be kept private. And I know that it can be embarrassing sometimes <laughs> to share what God has done in your life because you realize just how weak you are and how strong he is. And there are indeed conversations and moments in your life in which those only stay between you and your creator. But the story of how God rescued you, of how he has been so good to you, it cannot be kept silent. And a song should be sung because it turns your eyes to God. And it turns other eyes, others' eyes to him as well. It's a reason to sing. And David is singing, not because God has led him to live an easy life, because he has faced the horrors of life, been through the moments where he felt the floodwaters rising and he feared the fangs of his enemies, yet God prevailed and he delivered him, and that is a reason to sing. Psalm 124 is a magnification of just a really ugly time, which David can now see beauty Faith develops out of the most difficult of times, not the easiest. And so we should pray for each other. And we pray that we pray with faith, knowing that we serve a God that cannot be contained and a God who is powerful and he made the heavens and the earth and he loves us and he wants us to know him personally. I hope that you can see the love that he has for you. The love that he had in descending his one and only son for you so that you could be free, so that you could have a rescuer. Breaking the snare of sin that was on your life, and that cost Jesus greatly, and he was the only one that was able to do it. Sorry. You know, I, in closing, I just, I'm reminded by an event 
that happened in Mark chapters four and five. And when you have time, I, I would ask that you, you would read that. Um, I'm just gonna sort of paraphrase and tell you the story of it because I think that there's many parallel lessons found in Mark four and five that also are talked about in Psalm 124. So Jesus is teaching by a lake and people are gathered there listening to Jesus' parables and the sun is about to set and, and Jesus says to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they get in the boat and they set out and, and Jesus, it's, it's nighttime, so he's sleeping on a cushion in the back of the boat. And as Jesus is sleeping and as it's during the night, uh, this furious storm just rises up and, and the waves are going and the wind is going and the waves are coming over the boat and it feels like it's swamping the boat and the disciples in despair and fear, they run to Jesus saying, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus gets up and he looks at the storm and he says, quiet, be still. And the storm listened. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And so they continue on their journey. They cross the lake, and, and they get to this, this shore. And Jesus just said, I want to cross the lake and go to this point. And when they get out of the boat, this man, this possessed man, approaches them. And this is a man that lived among the tombs. He lived in a cemetery, basically, and, and he was possessed with a legion of demons, and he was uncontrollable. They said that they tried to shackle him, and they tried to bind him, but he always broke loose because the demons inside of him were so strong, and, and the man had a miserable life. He tried cutting himself, and he tried... He, the Bible actually says that he would cry out day and night. And Jesus approaches the man. The man approaches Jesus. And Jesus frees the man. Okay? He, he calls out all the demons, and it's kind of odd, but he, he, the demons go into this herd of pigs, and the pigs run into the lake, and they drown. And there are about 2,000 pigs, and that's an odd detail, but it shows just how many demons were probably in this poor man. And people came from the town to see what all the commotion was, and they are met with Jesus and his disciples and this man that used to be the town, I don't know, mockery, the, the town, just no crazy man that nobody was able to go near and feared. And they saw that he was sitting there, and he was fully dressed, and he was talking and he was communicating with Jesus. And the people, what they did was they were just freaked out. And they said, Jesus, I don't know who you are, but I want you to leave. And the man that Jesus freed, he clung to Jesus and he said, please take me with you. But Jesus looks at him, and this is very interesting. He says, go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. You know what? Jesus was with the disciples in the storm. They didn't need to fear. And Jesus was willing to cross 
the stormy lake, to reach the other side, to free a man that was desperate and in need. And then he got back in the boat and he went to another location. God sees you. He knows what your troubles are. He's able to free you, and I know that because he freed me. You know, we're just like, I feel like that man who was possessed and just living an untamable life. And now being freed, I just want to tell people what Jesus has done. And each one of us can do that. That's what the Psalms of Ascent are. It's telling people about who God is. It's telling them just how wonderful he is and what he has done in the past and, and how powerful he is. And how we can just turn our eyes to him and run to him to be free, real freedom. And to not be afraid to share what God has done for you. Now, I'm going to go ahead and ask the band that they can take the stage. But as we are singing these songs, I just want you to examine your life, to see, one, has God actually freed you of something? If he hasn't, he's offering it to you today. If he has freed you of something, are you telling other people about him? Because the testimony that he's put in your life is powerful. It doesn't matter what he's freed you from, you're free. And other people need to know that. We each have a duty to share what God has done for us. And I want to encourage you. I know it's, I mean, it's not fun. I'm up here a, a snotty mess telling you about my experiences and but it helps others because they, they might wonder, how is this actually, is God real? Does he really answer prayers? And I can't explain why he chooses to answer some and doesn't answer others. But all I can do is just give a testimony of how he has been so faithful in my life and pray that you can also experience a God like that. I want, I want you guys to, to feel free to, to pray during this time as we're singing. And, you know, we have our, our prayer partners over here to the side. And then even after the service, if after the songs you want more prayer or you want to pray with somebody, I'll be down here. Pastor Brett will be here too. And I believe Jan and Jay are actually going to come down here as well because we want to pray with you. And, and even if that's celebrating a way that God has freed you and, and you want to tell somebody, we can be the first ones. <laughs> Or if you, if you want to pray that God would actually rescue you from the situation, we'd love to do that with you too. But let's pray right now, and, and then we'll continue in worship. God, we, we thank you that you are our helper and that we don't trust in a weak God. We don't trust in a God who is not able, but we trust in the Lord who made heaven and earth, the God who rescued Israel so many times, the God that has rescued me as well. Lord, I pray that you would just speak through this passage 
to each person that is here today so that they can reflect and see just how good you are, how you did, you did make us like a free bird when we escaped like a bird from the hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. I pray for those people that are struggling right now with addictions that are struggling right now with just destructive habits. Lord, you are strong enough to break those traps. What you did on the cross was fully sufficient to set us free. So I pray as, as that fact just would start entering into our mind and, and bury itself deep into our souls, Lord, that, that we would remember that, that we would remember how you have saved us, how much you love us, and that would empower us to live lives that are truly free. We pray all these things in your holy name. Amen.